Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. As always, every week, I love talking to you about the journey that you're on, doing what I can to support the journey that you're on, because you don't have to do this alone. We don't, none of us as dads have to do this alone. Sometimes we may feel like we have to, but there is definitely nothing that says that you have to have all the answers and that's what it's important. That's why it's important. It's important for us to be able to surround ourselves from with other dads from different walks of life to be able to listen, learn, grow from the experiences that they have had because the experiences that they've had can help you. They can help you to get away from some of the pitfalls that others may have hit. Can You can build that toolbox per se of what you can do to be an actively engaged dad with your own kids. And, and that's why it's so important for us to come together every week, to be able to have these conversations and to be able to chat with dads from across the world that are fathering in different ways, because every type of fatherhood is great to hear. There's no one right way to father, but there are things that you can do to be the best dad that you can be. And that's why it's important to be able to hear from different dads and learn from different dads in that regard. This week, we got another great guest. Dan Flanagan is with us. And Dan is a father of a son, but he has been working really hard to work with dads from all kinds of walks of life in the UK with an organization called Dad La Soul. We're going to learn more about Dad La Soul. And we're going to learn a little bit more about him as a dad as well. Dan, thanks so much for being here today. Wonderful to be here. And thank you very much. As we said, you know, slightly off air, that brothers across the ocean trying to do very similar things in with similar perspectives, but maybe different perspectives as well. So it's a really interesting conversation to be having. It definitely is. Now, I always love starting these conversations with an opportunity to turn the clock back. And so I know you have a son that's 10. So tell me about that first reaction that you had when you found out that you were going to be a father. Terrified, exhilarated. It sounds strange, but I always knew I was going to have a son. It was just, it was already written in the stars. I was in my late 30s when uh, I was married and a little boy came along called Nathaniel or Nat to his friends. And it, it was crazy because there was there were no rule books. There, there were some guidebooks out there but nothing that would actually resonate with me. At the time, I just started my first company, which was a sort of a social media and PR agency. Previously, I'd spent 20 years in sort of that industry, so to speak, and I was working really hard, but I thought, actually, now I've got a boy, I've got to do this for you. You know, so it really, really, it spurred me on. The pregnancy was pretty okay, I think. Unfortunately, he turned up premature he's a very keen lad to get started so we've got something over here called the mct which is a national childbirth trust which is an organization you can sign up for expected parents to offer advice and community but my personal perspective of that it didn't really involve dads in the conversation you know we were there just to learn about how to support your partner through breastfeeding which is obviously an important thing but nobody actually bothered to know my name or you know what i might be going or the struggles and you know when you have children you have this huge responsibility fall on, to fall on your shoulders. You have to be loving and caring and you have to be a provider and these typical men-like qualities or distractions, shall we say. But there is no rule book. 
and you always think, well, I, I personally felt that I was never good enough. So I, I really struggled, if I'm honest, through the early part of my son's life. Yeah, I wasn't also, I think, very present because I, I would leave very early in the morning, get home quite late at night because I had to commute into work because I thought that's what my role was is to you know, go and put bread on the table. And it took to the death of my father for me to reevaluate what my priorities actually should be. So now I earn a lot less money, but I'm around a lot more often. So talk to me a little bit about that. You said it was the death of your own father that made you reprioritize, reevaluate. What was it about that loss that made you make those changes in your life? And what was going through your mind as you were trying to make those reevaluations and what made you finally to say that you wanted to take that jump and like you said have less money but change the dynamic at home i think it goes back back to when i was about 6 or 7 my parents divorced and unfortunately my mum suffered very badly with her health so my dad was awarded custody of me and my three sisters which was very very unusual in the the 1980s so i grew up seeing the abject lack of support there was for dads you know he would be the only guy at the playground there there were no things as dad play dates it just the system wasn't set up for us as a family unit so that gave me a very i suppose different perspective on things then you, you fast forward 40 years i've as I mentioned i've got a nice house i had a good job and stuff like that but I did a typical man thing that I, I would never talk about anything that was troubling me you know we've got a term over here being a geezer you know we don't have feelings we just get on with the task you know motor on so when my, my dad unfortunately passed away he was ill for quite a while with vascular dementia and then when he passed I didn't talk to anybody about the grief I went straight back to work and sort of carried on and then about six months into it it came and it knocked me over yeah my mental health really struggled and it was down to the fact I think my immune system suffered so badly I got chicken pox courtesy of my son and that was the first time that I'd stopped in years because I was you know confined to barracks and during that time I played with my son more than I had done in months because he was normally used to me leaving very early to go to work if I was lucky I'd get home to maybe to read him a story during the week and then I'd see him on a sort of Saturday but I realized there was so much more to life I just realized that there needed to be more to life you know I, I saw my dad struggle he was a very successful businessman and he had four children which means we were comfortably financially. But he was very time poor when I was growing up. So I didn't want that for my own son. So actually through something quite tragic, it made me really reevaluate what I wanted to for the next generation. I wanted to be around. I wanted to be on those school runs. There was, I think, a moment where my, my son had just entered sort of nursery school and I went to volunteer there. And it was so unusual for a dad to be in that space. You know, they'd never had one before. It was great for the kids. I felt like a rock and roll star because... The kids were, oh, there's a, there's a dad here. Woo! And we took them down to the, the beach where we lived and we did beach school. So I was there on a Monday morning with a group of sort of three and four year olds. And I convinced them all that we were going dinosaur hunting. And I was thinking, wow, you know, a couple of weeks previous, I would have been in a status meeting for a large financial client talking about spreadsheets and targets. And I just couldn't be doing that anymore. My, my life was, you know, to be a lot more active and engaged as a parent. So as you made the decision to move away from the life that you knew into a new life, at home, being engaged, being with your son, talk to me about what you had to do to be able to make that transition for yourself mentally and 
what you had to do even with your son to, to be able to make that shift for for him to be able to see you in a different way what i had to do myself i suppose is work on myself a lot you know initially it when i, I gave up the role the sort of corporate business world I thought I'm just going to have a couple of months off to just recuperate. But I'm quite an entrepreneurial chap. So I was already thinking about my next project. And I started blogging around that time about being a dad because there was nothing out here that was actually talking about dads in a way that I could resonate with. That took off quite quickly into an online magazine. So we had 18 different dads from around the country telling stories. It turned into a content agency. So suddenly we had a lot of brands that wanted to work with us. For my son, I suppose, it was just being available. I think a lot of you know your listeners will, will suffer this dad guilt that we have that we need to perform at work but we also need to perform at home as well and it's really tiring especially if we live in this sort of social media world where you're looking at other people's lives and think they've got it all and why are you underperforming so I just started doing the simple things you know like going to you know, mother and toddler groups and stuff like that it's kind of how Dad Soul started because I got fed up of going to those groups and feeling like an outsider. You know, there would be really horrible questions. Uh, what was I doing there on a Monday morning? Didn't I have a proper job? Was I happy to live off my wife? Unpleasant ones like, oh, he's probably a paedophile because he's here to play with kids. It's like, oh, I just want to be an active dad. The system, as it was, wasn't set up to represent me. So I had to go and build an organisation that catered for it, I suppose. I just thought I've got so many, you know, lovely memories, like I mentioned about the beach school. Just in the mornings, you tend to start the day quite stressed because you've got to get the, the kids to school and the three-year-old can't find their shoes or there's a meltdown. And you start every day very, very pressurised and stressful. And because I didn't have to be at a desk by 9am in the morning, that stress no longer existed. So I I'd set my working hours around my son so I, I forego the traditional nine to five and I, w- I would start at 10 which means you know I wasn't under that pressure to to get into the office I was there to pick him up to take him and his friends for play dates or down the park and I was very fortunate you know that I was able to work from home and I had a pretty good skill set that I could win some freelance clients and I know that's obviously not the same for everybody out there but it, it made a, a real key difference at every, the start of every day didn't have to be a meltdown or a panic zone so it's yes yeah, so, uh, so it's an ongoing adjustment, really. So you talked a little bit about and mentioned Dad LaSoul there and that it was created based on a need, a need for yourself, but a need for what you saw for other fathers. For people that don't know what Dad LaSoul is, why don't we step back and, and tell me more about what Dad LaSoul is, but also back to the beginning, what was it when it started and what is it now? So Dadler Soul is a non-profit company and we exist to orchestrate a revolution in the way that the stories and the struggles of the six million dads in the UK are seen, heard and supported. We've got an international community. It kind of started, you know, back at those times that I, I mentioned. I have, like many of your listeners, I suppose you'd have the kids on a Saturday and you'd go to park or you'd go to soft play, but kind of be there on your own. You know, it's very easy for mums to walk up to a stranger in a play park, get chatting, exchange numbers and, you know, organise a play date. But us as men, we can't do that. And if we do try and take roles on, like going to mother and baby groups, they're kind of inhospitable. So I just put a flag in the ground one day and organised a play date at a friend of mine's office. I had 14 dads and 20 something kids turn up. We had DJ lessons, beatbox battles, soft play, crafting, but What I realised there was none of the dads were on their mobile phones. They were all talking, and this was just a group of strangers. And I thought, but I'm onto something here. I don't know what it is. 
but there, there is something and this doesn't exist so we've grown it so so we do sort of there's three pillars to our work one is the events so we do the dad and child friendly play dates where we go to really interesting spaces so we've got partners in the tech innovation space for example and we'll host play dates there and we'll get dads there's a thing like food banks over here for people on welfare but we'll also have dads on six seven figure salaries coming together and the dads volunteer we run the group so there'll be lego there'll be soft play there'll be crafting there'll be dress up but it'll also be something different like virtual reality or say dj workshops we had a freestyle rapper come in a couple of days ago at one of our sessions so the dads get a chance to actually you know the kids can run wild but ultimately it's about the dads making friends and you know we talk about a lot here there's a huge issue in the uk with male suicide and it's basically there's 84 men under the age of 45 being lost to suicide every single week here it's three times more than women and it's because men don't talk so what we do is through these events we facilitate those conversations so it's not it's not a competition it's not how well you're doing it's okay what are you struggling with brother is it that you've the baby's teething and you're on the night shift and the baby's crying you feel like a failure because you can't stop the baby crawling crying because the baby just wants mum it doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank or what sort of car you drive that hurts right the way through so yeah we, we ended up doing I think last six years we've done about 200 events for about 10,000 people we do dad's only meetups so that came to light over sort of the end of lockdown one somebody you know we've got very active like you guys a very active social channel as well somebody you know just put their hand up and said does anybody fancy a beer and everybody oh yeah 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 we, have, we haven't been out for ages so we put the call out started meeting in the bar and then we've suddenly got 30 40 guys turning up some are traveling an hour and a half either way and there's the laughter and the, the joke telling and all, all the sports talk but actually in that there's a lot of very very open conversations so we've got dads that come into term with long-term substance abuse and a part of their re- rehabilitation is that they've had to get rid of all the friends in their black book we've got dads that are happily married we've got gay dads that have gone through the adoption process we've got dads like me that are co-parenting dads that are coming to terms with being a step parent stay at home dads dad focused organization but becomes in very different shapes and sizes and what's beautiful here you know men traditionally don't seek um therapy until point of crisis until something's really really gone wrong and then they'll start opening up what we've created is almost a trojan horse approach where you can get together in a community have a beer talk about your sports teams chat about music or whatever and then go you know what there's this thing and I'm really struggling it so we had a couple of months ago a dad that came out as gay he was in his 40s and he said I've finally found out who I am I've told my wife we've had a big blazing argument and I think the kids have heard more than they should have done don't know what to do bang immediately he's surrounded by a dad's army of support telling him just how brave he actually is and ultimately how his children are going to benefit because they're going to see a man that stood up for actually who he is and they're going to get to know the real him. We've had dads that their children had been in hospital for with critical illness. So they've been living on a like a sofa bed in a hospital ward for six months. He came out and said, nobody's actually asked my name or asked me how I'm feeling. We had a, another guy, was very quiet to start off with, 
you know, 10 minutes later, he's come in, said that his wife's got stage four terminal brain cancer and he's got two under five, so he doesn't want to do. So these guys from all these very different walks of life are suddenly opening up with all of this other stuff that normally that they would have buried. So that's the events part of our organisation. Then there's a publishing arm where we've got the online magazine. We do lots of podcasts and live broadcasts where we're bringing experts. So everything from how to questions about mixed faith relationships, what men need to know about the menopause. We've got dads whose children are, you know, assigning different genders and they've got questions. We did a, a really interesting project with a university around ethical pornography because obviously porn does exist. It's not going anywhere. And unfortunately, kids as young as eight years old are being able to access it. So us as men have got to be open to having these conversations. And then there's an apparel side. So we do some very, very funky sweatshirts and stuff. Very lucky that one of our dads is a designer who works with people like Run DMC and the Wu-Tang Clan and stuff like that. So he's created some pretty kick-ass sweatshirts for us. So they get sold and every sweatshirt goes to fund a play date for a family on low incomes that can't afford it. Sounds like you're making not only fatherhood fun, but you're making the concept of being able to talk about being a father fun. And you're bringing dads together in so many different ways to be able to just chill out, engage, and be willing to let their guards down. Example for you, Christopher, you know, if you walked into a bar and say, hello, middle-aged men, come over here and talk about your feelings. Nobody's going to do that because as men, we just don't. So what we have is a Trojan horse effect that will put on these really fun and engaging events. But once you're there, you realise that there is this space to actually open up. And it's mind-blowing, this demographic profile here. So we had a dad that advised the government on tropical diseases. We had a nuclear physicist. We had a a guy that works as a security officer and somebody else that works in a a phone shop. And they're engaged in conversation. And it's like, how do you negotiate with your three-year-old that won't put their shoes on in the morning? These guys... They live very different lives. They never would have met, but actually now they're coming together and making friends, which is the bottom line. As we get older, our our friendships groups shrink. As I quite imagine that many of your listeners have kind of outsourced their social lives to their wives or their partners. And, you know, you get dragged along. Whatever's good for the kids is good for you. But you kind of then that doesn't give you the chance to remember who you are as a person because we feel guilty, but everybody else first but actually we need a little bit of time and space to remember and improve on who we actually are so as you look at the future of the organization as a whole what are you hoping to accomplish next i see that you have your social media platform you've got an active group of individuals talking i know you're based in one part of the country i mean are you looking to expand and be able to get more people involved or, or what's next yeah, it's global domination. <laughs> no, you know, we were traditionally based in this you know, small sleepy town on the south coast. But through the, the conversations that we've had, we've got Dad Vasoli's in New Zealand. We've got Dad Vasoli's in the Czech Republic. We did some really interesting online events, actually, with somebody you might know, Kenny Bramwell from Fathers Incorporated. He's based over in Chicago. That's an organization that's sort of empowering black dads in there. And what we sort of had started a conversation during lockdown and we did the, the world's first international play date. So we had dads in Chicago, dads in Kenya, dads in Germany, dads over here in the States all coming together. The challenge that we have is we're a non-profit organisation and we are staffed completely by volunteers. So, you know, we, we've grown considerably through having very selective key partners. So in one town, we partner with an organisation that looks after adults with learning difficulties. 
In another town, we partner with a tech space. In another place, we partner with a co-working organisation. In another space, we've partnered with an Art Deco museum. We're having conversations with an organisation that works with ex-offenders, you know, coming out of prison that want to reconnect with their children. We've got some very interesting things that are kind of bubbling away, so it won't be setting up groups as standard for every town and every city because they are all very, very different beasts. But I think there's a way of Dadless Soul giving our secret sauce. So to give you an example, our play dates, we get 50, 60 dads along and you know, double the amount of kids. Traditionally, any other organisation, they will struggle to engage with dads. I had one with a, you know, a top-rated university over here. They were doing a research project into dads and they got in touch. And I said, OK. They said, oh, you know, we're finding that dads won't engage. I said, okay, tell me what you're doing. And they told me the idea was terrible. Right? They had this such borderline narcissistic view of what fatherhood actually is. And I said, no wonder they can get four or five people in a room. I was like, well, I, I 10x that every single week. So why don't we actually partner together and then we can do some interesting stuff. So we did a, a research project on to social isolation and loneliness in men, which is probably one of the key factors leads to that horrifying suicide stat. And that's been used in the, the House of Parliament over here with RMPs to try and, again, just change the way that maybe fatherhood is viewed and certainly in the way that men's mental health provision is reviewed and supported going forward. So I see as with our fingers in lots of different pies. I really appreciate you sharing that. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? Absolutely. In one word, what is fatherhood? Terrifying. Now, when was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a dad? I don't think that's come yet. I'm work in progress still. Now, if I was to talk to your son, how would he describe you as a dad? Funny. We have a very good relationship, and a lot of it is based on our terrible humour. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? Probably my son, because he, he teaches me things yeah, every time. I, I co-parent, so I don't have him all the time, which is a, you know, a challenge in himself, because he's a growing young man. But every time we, we get together, we have these conversations, and I'm like, wow, that's coming out of the mind of a 10-year-old. His breadth of spectrum of worldviews and politics and stuff, it's really, really exciting to see that Actually, these kids are available to go and not make the same mistakes maybe that we did. Now, you've given a lot of pieces of advice, things for people to think about. As we're finishing up today, what's one piece of advice you'd want every dad to think about and to consider? To give yourself a break. Don't always set the bar too high. As long as you're showing up and you're present, then that's enough. Unfortunately, we set the bar too high. And these pressure of the social media-driven world that we live in you can't have the perfect life, but you know what you can do is put down your phone, get on your hands and knees, have a wrestle with your kids, you know, play some Lego, let them lead. So there was, if your son wants to dress up as a princess, dress up with a princess with him, let them lead it. Well, Dan, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here today, for sharing your voice, your own experience as a dad, for everything that you're doing to engage dads in so many different ways. If people want to get more involved with Dad Soul, where's the best place for them to go and get more information? So we're on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Mixcloud, Twitter, and it's at Dad Soul, which is D-A-D-L-A-S-O-U-L. The website is dadlasoul.com. I'm really interested in new conversations, people from very different parts of the world. So if anybody wants to drop me a line, it's just Dan, D-A-N, at dadlasoul.com. 
and yeah thank you very much for having me it's really nice to talk to a, a brand new audience and maybe spark off some brand new conversations that we hadn't considered well dan i again thank you so much for being here today and i wish you all the best thank you very much for having me keep up the good work brother we know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along and the fatherhood insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood through our extensive course library interactive forum step-by-step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be